Hello and welcome to Red Shirts, a podcast about Star Trek. My name is Jake Donaldson, I'm your host, and I'm joined as ever by my co-hosts, Maddie, Bride of Chaotica Church House, and Nathan, Groomzilla Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, it's topical! Without further ado, let's engage, just like Nathan has done. Shall we tell the listeners what we're excited about? Yes! You need well, to break the news. Yeah, the yeah you need to break the news. Well, the weekend before we're recording this, um, me and my partner got engaged. So Woo! that's very, that's very Congratulations. exciting and fun. Yay! Oh, it's and so adorable. The uh, the name that I uh, that I called you in the intro is... So for the listeners' uh, reference, uh, I stayed over at Nathan's flat last night because I was doing some gigs in Manchester and uh, his fiance referred to him as Groomzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know what I want, all right? Like, <laughs> fucking wedding vendor's going to piss me about... This is the... Right. Just... just I, I know, listener, like, the wedding is going to be a big part of my life for the next year. So... Uh, you and me are gonna are gonna go on a journey, listeners, where every now and again your regularly scheduled Star Trek will be interrupted by a rant I have about something that I've discovered about weddings. But here's a pro <laughs> tip for you, uh, uh, listeners: if you're getting married, none of the shit matters, and that is a very freeing thing to realise very early on. Because my partner, as we've mentioned before, is Russian, which means she has a completely different set of traditions for for the wedding. I won't go into too many of them, but for example, um, in Russian people wear their wedding rings and engagement rings on the right hand, and wearing it on the left hand is a sign that you are widowed or divorced or something, or that marriage has somehow come to an end. She has so... to fight a bear topless in the middle of the vows, right? And then she has to like carry you over her shoulder in a fireman's lift and like scale a building, right? This is what happens. <laughs> that, in a none of that is true, but it is all then things to... I would like to happen. <laughs> <laughs> there's obviously the, there's the ceremonial poisoning of a foreign agent at one point. <laughs> oh, we're in trouble. Um, <laughs> Are you going to get married at Salisbury Cathedral? No, no, no. no. <laughs> but one of the things I was going to say is like, once you realise that, you're just like, oh, well, we'll just not do the bits that we don't give a fuck about. <laughs> it's like, you know, oh, your auntie so-and-so would really like it if, if you do this. It's like, well... Not her fucking wedding, though, is it? So, <laughs> <laughs> <doesn't matter. laughs> oh, I can't wait for you guys to get married. That's so lovely. Oh, congratulations! That's... Indeed, but Yay. that's enough. Of, that's enough of your personal life. You, you, your happiness. You, you've had. You've had. You've had your moment, and now Thank we're you. we're going to get back to the important stuff about Star Shatner's Trek. nipples. Shatner's nips. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. We, we we of course were mentioning Shatner's nips early doors because we are looking this week at the Gamesters of Triskelion uh, yes. from uh, the original series, series two, episode sixteen, I think it is. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, this is an episode that I have seen parodied a lot, but have never seen the original <laughs> episode, and it is. My God, is it a thing? <laughs> uh, so before we get too far into it, Nathan, would you like to describe the plot of Gamesters of Triskelion? Oh, would I? Um, <laughs> the Enterprise is conducting a routine check of a monitoring station above an uninhabited planet. Almost immediately, Chekhov, Kirk and Uhura are kidnapped and taken somewhere else. Scotty informs Spock... Um, and doesn't appreciate Vulcan sarcasm about the operation of the transporter. Um, Spock begins his search, but um, Kirk doesn't think they're on Gamma 2, the uninhabited planet, and there's no response on communicators. Soon, a large number of Stone Age weirdos attack, and (laughs) Kirk orders phases on stun, but it doesn't work, so a hand-to-hand fight ensues. Kirk does relatively well until a woman uses a spear rog at him, um, and he is defeated. After the credits, somehow uh, Kirk makes a captain vlog while nothing has happened. He's still captured. Like, there's literal no time, but we get a captain's vlog. It's really odd. Um, and then Dracula appears. <laughs> Dra- 
<laughs> Dracula is apparently Galt, master thrall of Triskelion. He, uh, he uh, puts uh. all the crew in BDSM collars. Blah, apparently blah, blah. The, Sorry. Apparently the crew are now thralls. He forces Kirk to comply with his agenda. Spock, McCoy, and Scotty pad the episode by concluding there was nothing wrong with the Enterprise and there was no interference. Kirk is being put in horny jail. He <laughs> tries to escape, and the collars torture every everyone nearly to death. He decides to obey Gant Dracula. Um, McCoy and Spock about uh, pad the episode by arguing about possible um, approaches, and while Kirk, Chekhov, and McCoy discuss how unlikely it is the Enterprise finds them. A man appears and I think rapes Ahura or tries to. It's a bit uncomfortable a scene. All the drill thralls are apparently opposite sex. Uh, Spock, McCoy and Scotty pad the episode by tracing down <laughs> discrepancies and begin the pursuit. Um, meanwhile, Chekhov gets the green-skinned lady who cannot pronounce Chekhov. They flirt a bit. Naturally, Kirk has got a sexy girl in a bikini to look after him. <laughs> uh, Kirk goes through the motions explaining that slavery is bad and flirting with his drill thrall. This involves... Um, showing her her reflection in a tray and declaring that is what beauty is. <laughs> Once Kirk has put on a, a, a BDSM harness, the group are instructed to, to beat up an innocent man to punish him. <laughs> Galt tries to tie up Ahura when she refuses, but Kirk steps in and gets tied up instead. He used to be the practice card uh, target. The giant caveman person is whipping Kirk ske- sexily. Someone re- <laughs> let the fanfic writers write this one, didn't they? That's what happened. <laughs> Kirk... Uh, uh, Kirk turns this into a fight scene because, of course, he does. Um, a break is brought on. After some more fighting, the, provi- the providers, the owners of the thralls, bet on the newcomers and buy the group. Disobedience is now punishable by death. Apparently, this training system is very um, quick. Scotty and, and Spock pad the episode. Uh, Kirk <laughs> and his sexy lady friend Shana are running, and Kirk is exhausted. Kirk's asked some questions about the providers. Kirk begins to explain space and the stars in his ongoing standard seduction pattern number th- 32. <laughs> Kirk explains love, um, and Shanna asks what love is, because, well, we're at that bit of the episode. <laughs> um, uh, because uh, before too long, Shanna is being tortured with a collar. Kirk is yelling about the consequences of his actions. Shanna doesn't understand why. Snogging happens. Jesus got the dialogue. <laughs> is this helping? Um, Galt appears out of nowhere. Fortunately, there will be no punishment because the providers are amused. Spock, McCoy, and, uh, uh, and Scotty pad the episode by having an <laughs> argument based around Warp 6. Kirk and Shanna make out this time, but in their quarters. Then Kirk knocks her out. For some reason, this is necessary. Kirk, Chekhov, and Uhura begin to implement their escape plan, and are caught, which appears to be just walking out, by the way, and are caught by Galt, who begins to torture them again. Finally, the Enterprise has arrived at the planet. Scotty stays in command while McCoy and Spock are going to head to the planet, but the providers hit the Enterprise with some nonsense. Um, Kirk (laughs) uses the new mass communication opportunity to explain the situation to Enterprise. Kirk taunts the providers until they appear and teleport him a thousand of his meters um, underneath the um, planet's crust. Um, They appear to be squishy brain things. They are mentally superior creature after shedding their humanoid forms. The providers decide to kill Kirk after a bit of interaction. Honestly, a fair enough response. <laughs> um, Kirk has an idea. He argues that the human race are the biggest group of gamblers. Kirk stakes the freedom of the thralls on a fight. Three contestants against him. His alternative is death. The fight is a very elaborate contest. Kirk has to kill everyone. He has to stay in the colour of his choice, which he doesn't throughout the entire <laughs> fight. It really irritates me. Um, he slays the capeman first, then a net nutter. And then finally wounds an Andorian who gets replaced with Shanna, who is pretty pissed at this whole being manipulated by Kirk's magic penis thing. Um, <laughs> she beats him up pretty quick, but hesitates on stabbing him. Kirk grabs her in a headlock and with a knife. It turns out the collars could just be fucking removed by hand while <laughs> surrender. It was really pissing irritating. Uh, uh, Shanna asked to go with Kirk, but he is a massive dick and just decides to trust the providers arbitrarily for no reason. They'll definitely keep their word. It's all fine. <laughs> and he refuses, snogs her, Ed's price leave, Shanna cries, episode over. <laughs> 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 
What a fucking ride, am I right, boys? Yeah, this feels like the textbook episode of TOS, but maybe that's not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, it is in a good way. How dare you? This episode is amazing. Every five seconds is in this it? episode, I had to pause to just like laugh hysterically at something completely batshit that was going on on screen. Oh, it, it makes me oh, yeah. happy. It's, of it's total. Like, and this, I. What gets to me in this episode is just how fucking inconsistent and nonsensical a lot of it is. Like, so, like, uh, this episode got me off on the wrong foot when Galt, when he first meets Kirk, says, Your titles mean nothing here, Captain. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. If his title means nothing, you don't then fucking address him by it. Maybe, 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 <laughs> Everyone... he, maybe he thought oh. Captain was his first name. Your maybe title it, means nothing. It was like blah, Captain blah, and blah. Tenille. <laughs> It'd be funny if he went, your title means nothing, Bill. <laughs> Bill! <laughs> Bill. I, I'd like to start by talking about how I, what I knew of this episode before we started it, right? Yes. Which is not much, but <laughs> it, it the, the main thing that I knew about this episode is that the Simpsons parodied it in the episode where Homer goes to space in season three, I think it is. Yeah. Where in, yeah, Deep Space Homer, it's called. And like in the montage of training that he does with NASA, it's all like normal training things that you would expect them to do with NASA. And then one of them, it shows you him in a, a sort of gladiators arena fighting some like one of the other people i think it's barney that he's fighting and then there's that music plays in the background that that kind of music mm-hmm. from this one and then there's one of the nasa people in the background going i wager 400 quad loots on the newcomer <laughs> <laughs> and, and i didn't realize that it was essentially i thought it was just like a daft little kind of it's almost the shot fish because i've just looked it up yeah um it's it's almost a direct shot for shot recreation yeah um, <laughs> which i love excellent i yeah. think that's excellent but um yeah i did, i mean there's so much to get into in this episode <laughs> god well like, where do you even begin is it the bdsm sex harness is it like <laughs> bigfoot sex and general bdsm right there's a lot of bdsm in this episode <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah like bdsm reference count collars harness <laughs> they're tied up on the wall like that at one point yeah with their arms <laughs> Whipping, behind the side flogging thing. Um, Being locked you know, in a prison cell with a sexy woman that yes. may or may not be there to seduce you. Yeah. Oh God. What yeah. I loved about the harnesses is that there's a, like when they first get introduced, Shana gives the harness to Kirk, and he's like, "This is your training harness." And you're like, "All oh, right, yeah, I don't really understand why you need to wear that, but okay." But training then, for sex. Yeah, but he puts it on over the top of his uniform, and then <laughs> and then about halfway through the episode, without it really being explained why, he's suddenly not wearing the uniform anymore, and he's just well, got it on sure, over his. Sure gets ripped because by the, it's the Kirk. Because oh yeah. TOS Kirk, and it's like a clause in his contract. Bill Shatner has to get his fat titties out at least <laughs> once per episode. So halfway through, he's getting like sexually whipped by Bigfoot, who's like a cross between. What's a really tall, tall guy from The Princess Bride? Do you guys, you guys know the bloke that I mean, right? Oh. Yeah, Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant. He's like Andre the Giant wearing fangs, dressed <laughs> as caveman Bigfoot, sexually whipping Captain Kirk across the floor. And he's like, oh no, my shirt is being torn across my nipples. How could anyone have ever seen this coming? It's not like I elaborately planned this. And then he's like, well, you know, a little bit of titties out. Might as well just rip the whole thing off. And then I can have the rest of the episode with my boobies free as I wanted. <laughs> Jim Kirk said free the nipple. And I respect that. He, yeah. but then uh, he spends the rest of the episode without the shirt on, despite but, being given several opportunities where he could have presumably gotten some more clothes. But exactly, well, why would he want to? Why would you? <laughs> why would he want to? This is his like number one mo. There's at least fourteen episodes of this what, sixty-four whatever episode um, show where he just gets his nipples out. It's part, <laughs> it's just what he likes to do. Like, as well as when, when captive, flirt with captor and seduce them to escape. Those are his, that's like Jimothy Kirk's two, like, hardwired yeah, yeah, yeah. heuristics. C- can we talk about his flirting technique for a bit? <laughs> 
Oh god, the sixties flirting. It's oh, so bad. Man, it's so bad. This this, was... Just give her a like greasy pan. Look at that. That's what. That's what beautiful is, love. That's the worst <laughs> bit. It's like she's she's. I think her line is something like, "What is beautiful?" And then he picks up the most dull, non-reflective surface <laughs> ever, shows it to her, and goes. That's beautiful. That and like as if to be it like, oh, this is some beautiful moment. Anything. No, it explains it nothing. If you didn't so as know far as she's aware, beautiful means the lid of a pan. Yes. <laughs> or beautiful means her face, but her face is just Shana. So yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, you're so Shana. Yes, I know I'm Shana. I just told you my name was Shana. No, <laughs> this is you here. In fact, yes, I know that's me. I can see my face reflected in this pan. Circular <laughs> reasoning. Oh my god. She probably just thinks he's simple. Like, well, that, yeah, that's probably why she wanted to, you know, take advantage of him and snog him when they were running around. <laughs> Get it, Shanna. Well, Get like, it. And and it just feels like the most going through the motions flirtation. Because which I, I genuinely don't understand. Because generally, we've talked about this before, the image of Kirk as a, just a womanising yeah. guy and what he's actually like. Generally, when he seduces someone in actual TOS, it's for some kind of game. And early on, he seems to be, like, ploughing her for information a little bit, and then seems to quickly realise he's not getting anything out of her, because yeah. she doesn't know, and she's not telling what she does know. But I struggle to think how flirting with her facilitated his escape plan at all, <laughs> right? Because as soon as he started escaping, <laughs> he punched her in the face. <laughs> There's so much violence against women in this episode. It's so like, yeah. Okay, so look, here's the thing, right? Kirk drift. Okay, yes, Captain Kirk is very, very flirty, but actually, generally speaking, we either see him fall randomly, hopelessly head over heels in love with a woman at a time when it's deeply inconvenient for the mission and for everyone else involved. <laughs> After like five minutes of interaction, like we saw in City <laughs> and Edge of Forever and yes. in a few other episodes. Or, on the other hand, it's that he's like aggressively flirting someone in a position of power over him because he clearly has some kind of fetish. <laughs> like with Shana. Yes, it totally wasn't necessary to seduce her, but he, he likes the being in that position. He likes to go along for the ride with it. You know, he, it, Look, it, I'm not going to criticise the man for boning down when <laughs> in that situation. I'm just not. It's just like... The, I think the episode wants us to think that that's like some part of his master plan. And it's like, <laughs> it's I don't know what you've achieved by this. But like, also <laughs> at that point when he starts flirting with her, he doesn't know he's going to get rescued. He doesn't know that <laughs> they're looking for him. For as, whole, as far as he knows, he's trapped on Treskelion forever, and this is his new life. So my might head as well cannon, start building a family. Yeah, my head canon is that he was just trying to trying to start a, a, a new life there with Shana. <laughs> Yeah, and then but as no, soon I as think... he realised that he might have the, the chance to get uh, rescued later on, he was like, oh, right, I'm going to knock you out. I don't give a shit about you anymore because my real wife has turned up. Yeah, but this is what I'm saying is that for Kirk, that is his standard plan. Like one of his standard reactions to Kirk to, to capture is to flirt with the enemy. It's it's a it's a playing it safe because yes, maybe it won't pan out to anywhere, but maybe it will pan out to the enemy falls for you and then you get you know a leg over them figuratively and literally, and you can <laughs> you know jump out the back window. So. It, it is actually... It, it's not it's what they're just, calling it these days. It's a strategy. <laughs> like, it's a strategy. He's he's seeing where it's going to play out because he can... Do you see what mm. I'm trying to yeah, say? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, saw, I do agree with you. Like, And I think... I think he, he's, you're right, Nathan, that there isn't... There sort of isn't, like, a, a plan of action necessarily. It's just sort of like he's gone, oh, well, I'm just going to start flirting and see what happens but i think yeah. that is the plan like maddie yes. was saying like yeah, the, the, fair enough. the plan is just to see what happens because i've yeah. been in this situations like this before where flirting with the what? person has <laughs> well not not quite like that <laughs> you've been you've been kidnapped and forced to have sexy fights in bdsm gear no no yeah. kirk when he said what's I... york like <laughs> <laughs> kirk, pro kirk probably has had 
been in a similar situation before where he's been trapped mm-hmm. and forced to have sex yeah. and fights. Yeah. 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 Well, it always... Fe- the, my problem with the flirting is it just feels like the most, like, Shatner doesn't even seem interested in it. Yeah, <laughs> it oh, just yeah but that's just as... Shatner. That's just his kind of, like, semi, like, ah, uh, 60s hero, swashbuckling. <laughs> yeah, but yes. then, when, then, when, then when, like, she starts dying, like, this is another thing with, like, I'm just like, Kirk, you're a fucking idiot. Because, like, <laughs> the, there's the scene where they jog and she nearly dies. Yes. It comes immediately after the scene where the providers have just said any further rebellions will result in death. So, like, he, like, goads her into rebelling and the, provi- the, the providers are like, oh, well, she seems to be helping him murder. And he's like, no, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... You should have foreseen this coming, Kirk. Like this was pretty fucking obviously <laughs> what they were gonna do. Yeah, but then but we would th- miss then we would miss a chance to see William Shatner do one of the things that he's most excellent at in the original series, which is like rage impotently against an invisible alien voice yes. in the sky. That going, No! Excellent. You'll kill her! You'll kill her Fade to black, sixties advert break for laundry tablets, fade back. No! <laughs> That is the best bit of this episode, I think. It's 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 Shatner's face acting and that, and <laughs> yeah. that overactive. Like I took a photo of some of my favourite face acting, and I'll send this to um to Maddie, and she'll put it in the um in the Insta stories for this episode. But it, it's like it, it's it's just excellent face acting. I'll send it to our group chat now, so you can see it. Yeah. Yes, incredible Ooh. face acting. I yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't dislike it. I just like it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> he goes from like to yeah. It, it, he's sort of like he's kind of looking a bit kind of forlorn and like, oh, how can you not know what a beautiful woman is? I think this is the same. This is this. It's from the scene where he's explaining that uh, on our planet uh, we choose our mates and yes. like men and women make yeah. each other happy. Yeah, which is like it is quite. I mean, it, I get what he's trying to say, but also. It, it it comes across a little bit like he's saying where I'm from, I could choose who I want to sleep with and they have to say yes. Like that's not re- I know that's not really what he's Oh, I didn't read is. it like that. You've gotta you've gotta watch this show generously because, you know, <laughs> the gender relations are not exactly, you know, progressive, are they? It's the sixties, come well, on. Well, speaking well, of one, progressive one... things. Oh so Nathan, did you want to say something? I, I was gonna say um um the point for gender equality here. Uh, the the crew were attacked by four people and they let her fight two of them. Yes! <laughs> the fight scene's in this incredible and it made me so happy that in immediately in the first fight scene, like Shatner is, one of them is facing Klug, the, who, Andre the Giant with his fangs and doing yeah. a shitty job. Oh yes, Chekhov is literally being bear hugged and tickled by <laughs> Klug. Like Klug has lifted him up and Chekhov is kicking his weenie Russian legs in the air like, let me down, let me down. And meanwhile... <laughs> Lars, the Swedish rapist himbo, is like <laughs> trying to beat Shatner up on the floor. Uhura, completely unarmed, wearing a mini dress and gym knickers, <laughs> takes down two ladies with massive spears with like yeah. no effort whatsoever. It was badass. Like, don't get me wrong, it was hilarious because the choreography was the shittest thing I've seen in my life. So but bad. she was amazing. The uh, it's when they throw the spears in the in the fight scene after that, and it's like. <laughs> Cut, cut <laughs> in yeah. your chest. Yes, I've, I've got a fun fact about that. There is a um, so that obviously the spear that was used, the prop is like in two parts. One part that sticks in the front, and one part that comes out mm. the back. Um, and the they originally filmed another scene with him in it, but they had to cu- cut it out because they realised after they'd finished filming that uh, the two parts of the spear didn't line up with each other. <laughs> 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 oh my god that's such a TOS error you know what I would say if you would like to watch a TOS episode with some classic TOS bad fight scenes and I mean like bad yeah. Shatner fight scenes where he like plants a pole in the floor and then uses it to launch off and kick people in the chest you know like the the, the butt fighting that he likes to do then <laughs> this is a fantastic episode for that every fight scene was a joy to watch it was a d- comic disaster yeah well the, Nathan alluded to it at the start but there's this big finale scene where he's got to fight off <laughs> three three thralls at the same time and they're like oh you've got to stay in, in the yellow zone if you go into the green zone then you you 
you lose a weapon or something like that, like like he's on the cube mm-hmm. or something. Yes. Yeah, which um, is which is the kind of thing which in modern TV shows, like I feel like they would have seen the training for that fight. Yes, or if you were going to mention a detail like that, it had come up and. All the way through the fight scene, all of them are breaking that yeah, yeah, yeah. step <laughs> into each other's areas, and none of them face any consequences exactly. for it. Absolutely nothing happens. This There's is what like... brings me to my red shirt's headcanon for this, right? Which is that the um, the, the what what they call the the brains that run the whole thing, the providers, um, the multicolored fun fun side souffles, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a glass box. What's that game where you have to? get all of the little pieces to go round the track and you punch the thing in the middle to make the dice roll. They Boggle. were all... Bop, is it called Pop It or something? Bo- Boggle. Boggle. Yeah. Why were they just like three overfilled souffles inside of Boggle? <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, it did. It looked like a sort of uh, like a child who'd gone to one of these like make your own snow globe classes for, their, <laughs> for a birthday party and like scrumpled that... up some play doh. Yeah, put it in, just let it dry out, and then come home and be like, "Look, mummy, I made you a snow globe." Like, to be fair, most nice of the me. props in TOS look like they've been made by children at a party. That's true. So, oh god. But, um, oh god. The. Uh... <laughs> um, but yeah, my my head cutting is that the, the these brain guys, the providers, they don't actually have any ability or like um, or authority to actually kill anyone or like punish anyone properly. They just keep threatening it, and everyone's too scared to do anything. But that's why, as soon as Shatner steps on the wrong coloured bit, nothing happens, and he's just allowed to continue the fight as if it's just completely normal. Yeah, it's all a lie. They're actually entirely helpless. They're just sitting there, and when Shatner's like pressing his hands against the glass and is like, "No, you will listen to my wager," looking you, there's like that hilarious shot looking up from his chin. Yes, like, <laughs> through the glass. If he just like leant on it a little bit harder, he could have smashed them and killed them immediately. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, because you you see that bit and you're like, oh, yeah, the easiest way, they're completely defenseless, the easiest way to deal with this would just be, like, kill them, destroy them, then the thralls are free to do whatever they want, and that's that's what he wants. But then you you think, oh, right, okay, but no, Kirk's not going to kill anyone just randomly he he doesn't murder people he's like batman right and you're like okay fine that's a line in the sand but then two minutes later he's in this fight sequence and he murders two thralls just innocent people just yeah, in just, perfect just, the, the people yeah. who he's trying to fight to be able to free who he that apparently is, cares for me, about the most uncomfortable like non-star trek bit of this episode yeah is that kirk agrees to a fight to the death and just because perhaps because i mean admittedly not a good episode of TNG, but there's a whole TNG episode where, like, they're trying to find a way to respect a cultural ritual which involves a fight to the death Mm -hmm. without actually killing anyone. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they're like, you know, and there's this whole uncomfortable clash between the Enterprise and this alien culture. It's not done well, and it's one of TNG's many struggles with the Prime Directive, but the believable interesting part of that episode is well, obviously a Starfleet officer wouldn't agree to participate in a mm-hmm. ritual, you know, gladiator games. And it's just so weird to see Kirk just be like, yep, I'm happy to kill these people. Oh, the pretty one has attacked me. I shall not kill her. Yeah. <laughs> of course, because it's but this... Kirk and it's Shatner and it's that era where, you know, he can just unilaterally decide to topple the system of governance of an entire planet and then just <laughs> fuck off without even leaving them, you know, like a textbook on, like, democracy for dummies. This <laughs> is the kind of prime directive era they live in. It's like, oh, today we had another fuck up where we got transported <laughs> across the universe and killed 27 people and and then, you know, blew up a system. Ah, it's all in a day's work when you're on your five-year mission. <laughs> I watched the episode of um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine today where the old-school cop writer comes in. Yeah. And he's talking, like, and there's just, like, all the way through, he's like, oh, yeah, the old school, they were, like, too hug over, and they just strangled, like, hippies to death, and they're like, yeah, that's illegal and not good police work. I feel like that's what, <laughs> that's what, like... Kirk is like to start officers, <laughs> just like there's some of them just being like, "Oh yeah, Kirk was so cool," and it's like, "Yeah, but you can't do what Kirk did. <laughs> you, can't, you, you, can't. you, you, it's not okay anymore. Look, it's not okay to go to alien cultures and just 
you know, shag them and kill everyone. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. We come in peace. Shoot but, to kill, shoot to kill, shoot to kill. Kill, man. Yeah. yeah. But this all brings me on to the biggest, like, annoyance I have with this episode. And I want to say I do like it um, in the... Because I, I enjoy the absolute insanity. Yeah, it. yeah. But one of the things that really irritates me, the providers are the most inconsistent fucks <laughs> in the world, right? Like, it's like, oh, the next time you, you break the... Any any further rebellion will result in death. No, it doesn't. You don't kill a single person after that. And then it's like, then it's like you know, step out of the area. Only a kill will count. It's like, I have a knife to this person's throat. Oh, we surrender. And it's like... The providers just accept that, just for some reason. Which all makes it batshit insane to me that, like, Kirk is like, you will teach them how to run a society and such. Like, we're not going to take these trials with us or, like, keep an eye on you. You're going to do that. And they're like, yes, we'll definitely do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Immediately after the episode, the providers are all like, well, that was weird, wasn't it? Does anyone, does anyone feel like changing the status quo? We still have the collars on you. Like, you know, yeah. two of you took them off, but, you know, we're pretty sure we can get you murdered pretty fucking fast. This is still our planet. It's going to be exactly like, like the end of Thor Ragnarok when, you know, everyone's having that revolution and then the Grand Master crashes his ship and he's like well congratulations to us you know if there's gonna be a revolution there's gotta be someone to revolt against i guess and you know it's like that is 100 percent. i would love to see what happened on that planet afterwards yeah. just the utter carnage <laughs> that follows i would like to think that shana becomes you know the benevolent leader of a new yeah. democratic system and teaches all of the other thralls the ways of you know love and helping helping one another wink wink nudge nudge as they do on earth <laughs> except rapist swedish laws he can get in the bin forever well, would you like to know some fun facts about uh, some of the people who played the the drill uh, thralls and, and things like that? I in would. This show? Yeah. I right. would. So, my first favourite fact is uh, that the um, uh, the Andorian one uh, who we see briefly, yeah. uh, the actor that played him is a um, he was a, a stunt coordinator for the show and has done loads of other things. He's dead I'm now. I'm sorry, but, but he need he was like needed to be fired. <laughs> How was well, he? The, the stunt <laughs> is so bad. But the reason I bring him up is because he's got the best name in the world, right? Yeah. He's called Dick Crockett. Ah! <laughs> Which like, I just Davy makes Crockett's me laugh. degenerate little brother. Dick Crockett. Yeah, it's just my favorite <laughs> name. It's such like a. A 1960s stuntman in LA oh, name. God. You <laughs> um, can just imagine him totally drunk on the set, like, yeah, just hit him with your arse, Shatner. That'll do. Yeah, cut. <laughs> <laughs> Great job done, boys. Um, then the other fact that I wanted to to say is that um, so this is, brings us back to that thing we were saying about being uh, about being progressive earlier, right? Um, so originally, um, Ahura's drill thrall was written as a large, these, this is in quotes, large muscular black man. Mm-hmm. Um, but Robert Justman, who was the director of this episode, I think, or, or was involved in the production of it anyway, um, complained that that would reinforce the uh, the different but equal policies that were shown on other network TV shows at the, t- at the same time. So they, hey, so he specific, yeah, so he specifically rewrote it to cast a white actor instead of a black actor to to so negate true. that point, which I thought was a really good thing to. To, to see in 1967 mm-hmm. or yeah this that was. is good because even in like 2010's BBC we still have to like pair the black one off with the black one at the end of the show like yeah exactly <laughs> yeah oh yeah ah oh, that's nice to know and um, I, I I do think Uhura like manages to fight him off in the scene where he attempts mm-hmm. to rape her it's pretty horrible and she's yeah. like screaming and you just see her shadow against like the back of Plato's cave and then Kirk yes. is like yelling with his hand through the bars Lars Pretty much, like, gives up quite easily, I would say. I, I assume that she, like, bit him in, Sarah, in yeah. like, some important places on his f- <laughs> face. Um, yeah, so Uhura is fine. Nobody panic for Uhura. Well, other fun facts that I have about this episode are that uh, the the knives that they're using, the little daggers that they use in the fights, mm-hmm. they, they are the same props that were used as the daggers that the... Um, uh, the Terran uh, people in Mirror Mirror use that they're the little daggers I they've got they on their sides. I thought they looked familiar. I thought they looked, yeah. 
So that they're, they're the same props. Um, nice. So that's some classic uh, prop being reused by TO, uh, by TOS that, that we see all the time. Um, and then this is one of my favorite bits, right? That I found this out on, on Memory Alpha. That um, so the 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 script was written by a woman called uh, Margaret Armen. Um, my and... new hero. <laughs> Give that woman a fucking Pulitzer. And originally, it there was a um, there was a scene in it. Uh, that it featured, and this is in quotes again, a slithering vine, which sounds incredibly uh, <laughs> hentai to me. But, um, and it was it was called a delka vine, um, and the the idea was that that this vine would slither out of the you know in the, in the scene when they're out running in the uh, in the the mountains and that this this vine would slither out and grab Shana and toss her into a pond, and then That's- Kirk. Kirk was going to rescue her by wrestling the the tentacle vine, uh, and uh, yeah, like, ca- I'm sorry, but this is yeah, okay, carry on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Robert Justman said, uh, and th- this is a direct quote again, um, that this idea is uh, much beyond the scope of the series budget, <laughs> and so <laughs> so he scrapped it completely. But it, it makes no sense. Yeah. It's just a random scene that someone's added in because they went, you know, what I think is... would be cool a fucking big this tentacle. Is sometimes where I think restriction breeds creativity and so on, mm. and makes a better product because. I think one of the criticisms I might levy against Discovery and Picard, where they have fucking massive budgets and can do whatever they like, is that sometimes there's not enough cutting of random bullshit. Yeah. There's fairly <laughs> self-indulgent nonsense to write. Like, there are a few episodes of both of those shows where I'm just like, you didn't need that, though, did you? You didn't, like, you know, the story was going pretty well, and then you've got this scene, and it's just a bit like showy offy self-indulgent yeah wank i'm I'm thinking Um, i'm thinking of a a bit which is a great scene to watch but it doesn't really add anything to the storyline in picard when seven of nine becomes the borg queen and you're like oh yeah it's really cool but like it's not really relevant to the plot in any way you've just done it because you want to show off nothing massive happened and then like yeah um yeah no there, there there are lots of that but like so yeah, probably a good yeah. thing that was cut. The, um, this writer, she also wrote the Lorelei Signal, the episode of oh, TAS that we did. So that I think explains a lot. She's got some likes to have some sexual. I wouldn't say undertones. I'd say they're overt overtones. Sex <laughs> overt. <laughs> she likes to have very sexual episodes of Star Trek, and she likes to have ladies dressed like their extras from Barbarella. I get that. <laughs> I think that's great. You know, more power to her. And she's also completely demented. And <laughs> clearly, she also likes to center Uhura as like a primary character within her stories because mm. that happened in Lorelei Signal as well. So we stand Margaret Armen. Well, an- another, <laughs> Armen. Per- <laughs> another person who was supposed to be centralized in this uh, episode was um, Sulu. Um, so the 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 role that Chekhov plays in this episode was originally written to be Sulu, oh, but right. they had to rewrite it as Chekhov because George Takei was busy filming the Green Berets in which a film he was in at the time, oh, right. um, so he couldn't agree to the schedule, so they they changed it. And then um, since then, George Takei said on in loads of interviews that it was one of his biggest regrets was not being in this episode because he thinks that Aww. this would have done uh, like what have been the key moment for developing Sulu's character into being a bit more well-rounded. Um, yeah. So he feels bad that he wasn't in it, but uh, so that, that, that was something that was meant to happen in this episode. Um, and yeah, it's unfortunate. But I've just found out. Then that's... we would have missed that lady saying Chikov. 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 <laughs> what time is it? It's Chikov time. Chikov time. Yes. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Wow. Um, she really did look like a space Karen, didn't she? I think yeah, her name is Tamoon. Big, She's I think like we all orange. Know. She has a big blonde bouffant. And then the episode does sort of like engage in some light transphobia when she mm. has this quite deep voice and then it's supposed to be like ha ha now then suddenly Chekhov feels really uncomfortable ha 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 I'm like yeah fuck off Chekhov we know you'd love to get it on with her come on yeah come on Chekhov um check her off Chekhov Chekhov (laughs) um (laughs) so I'm laughing at my own joke where I said check her off um (laughs) (laughs) um can we talk about um is it is it Galt the uh, the guy who 
Who? Dracula. Ah, yeah, we ah, talk ah, about ah him. you mean the Count? Blah, the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the Count from Sesame Street. Um, <laughs> he, I, I think he looks like um, he looks like Pinhead from Hellraiser before he has the accident that puts all the pins in his head. Like, I'm pretty sure that's who it is. Um, oh he, he's sort of. I can't decide if I think he's dead cool or I think he's the worst character in anything I've ever seen. He is covered in what looks. He's like encrusted in salt. You know, yes. if you've gotten really sweaty or you've been on the sea for ages and you come back and there's just kind of like white sort of like white powder sort of dusted all over you yeah why why (laughs) did he have terrible dandruff just all over his skin (laughs) well well he can't have had dandruff because he's completely bald and he has no eyebrows (laughs) so like i he he does i think because i want to know how he became like the leader of the thrall because like by wearing a fucking excellent cloak do you think that's what i reckon that's what it is dracula I reckon it is the costume that makes... I think he turned up dressed like that, and then everyone's yeah. gone, well, you're obviously in charge, so... <laughs> yes. You don't have to fight anyone because you look fucking hard as nails. Well, maybe it's also because he has the power to, like, zap everyone with his eyeballs. I mean, that's Oh, yeah, cool that's true. Well. Yeah, he, he does. He turned yeah. up with all the BDSM sex collars. <laughs> like, he was like, so guys, uh, either we can do it with the butt plugs and the vibrators, where every time I twinkle my eyes, you all experience <laughs> an orgasm. We're going to insert this, or we can do it with the neck. I've got these neck rings. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's a good job that none of the people who were uh, enslaved as Thrall were Vulcan, because every time they got zapped by Galt's weird eyes, uh-huh. everyone in their immediate family would ha- feel the <laughs> exact same thing, where, no matter where they were in, <laughs> in the world. Are we just saying that now... Vulcans share literally every physical sensation, overwhelming physical sensation. We've I gone think from so. like, yeah. yes, they probably also exp- <laughs> like <laughs> sense each other's orgasms. Now it's just like every time Mr. Spock takes a shit, everyone <laughs> in the family no, knows. No, but what I was suggesting is that the uh, the the shock collars are actually creating. Uh, 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 an orgasmic sensation. Oh yeah, and everyone's just pretending like it's uncomfortable. They're like, yeah. "Oh no, please, Daddy God, shock me further." <laughs> Daddy brain gods. Daddy <laughs> brain gods. <laughs> That's my rap name. Oh, you know, I want to uh, talk. Well, a little... It is the whitest rapper name in the world. <laughs> but I, I genuinely had to come up with a rap name when I was at university for something, and, oh, no. uh, and my my rap name was. Entrails, but like just the oh, letter N god. and then the word trails with a Z at the end of it. Oh god, you were insufferable. <laughs> you, like, you? It's like a hideous sort of, sort of awkward university parody of N dubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, the no. thing is, Jake's told us now a few stories about his university days, like him being on university challenge for a different yeah. uni that is generally seen as more prestigious <laughs> just because he wanted to claw back some reputation and so on. He's told the story about, you know, admittedly before his university where he thought he was cleverer than all of the people he saw in the university yep. at like an open day thing. <laughs> it's like, I'm getting a very clear image of what Jake is we like. We are slowly building up a picture of an absolute wanker, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I fully lead into that. that. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh... Um, I would like Did to... I, Maddie, last night at the gig, I'm, I'm, I'm telling this story because Maddie needs to know. I don't know whether the listeners do. <laughs> last night at the gig, Jake was emceeing and just for the pure showing off, he did a magic trick as one of his in, in between bits. Oh, just because he could get trick, away though. with it. I love magic. I, I thought it was a good magic trick. It was trick. pretty good magic trick. He showed me how to do it later. Yeah. Uh, I, I was very I was very happy with it. But oh, yeah, I, I love magic. I hadn't planned to do a magic trick at any point because essentially when I was a teenager I learned to do magic because I was too anxious to talk to girls and I thought Oh my I god, thought, you were literally that uh, yeah. guy from Pitch Perfect. That's yeah. who you are. The I, guy who only does magic to flirt with Haley Steinfeld. I was I was essentially um uh What's his name? Uh, Barney Stinson from uh, How I Met Your Mother. That was that was my basic pl- plan because I thought what? what to I thought what to what to sixteen year old girls find really sexy. Oh yeah, card manipulation. Like <laughs> like oh look what my fingers can do with these. Imagine what they could do with you. Oh 
god, I'm so glad that I didn't meet you ten years ago. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> to be honest, I'm trying to forget me from ten years ago. So, like, <laughs> if I, you know, when people do that thing where they say like, oh, what what would you do if you could go back in time and give yourself ten years ago some yeah. advice? I would just say kill yourself. Like <laughs> you're awful. <laughs> yeah. But you're not the, like, I think every five or ten years, you're a completely different person. That's so, true, that's yeah. true. And people are allowed to be cunts when they're teenagers. Because, like, if you can't oh, be a yeah. twat when you're 15 and your frontal cortex isn't developed, then when can you? That is the, the those are the words of when a... When you're 60. Yeah, those, those are the words, listeners, of a professional uh, <laughs> social, social worker. worker who is like, yeah, I'm, I, have to te- I have to believe this myself, that... <laughs> That children are allowed to be cunts, otherwise, why am I doing this job? (laughs) (laughs) I would like to talk about Angelique Pettyjohn, the leading lady of this episode. Ah, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, Her name isn't Angelique Pettyjohn. That is, of course, a burlesque stage name. But her life story is so interesting. So, as well as playing Starna on this episode, which is generally what she is most famous for she's also starred in loads of erotic sci-fi exploitation films oh wow like, you know you know like ladies from mars with three titties that kind of thing like <laughs> that was her bread and butter and it's so sad she died when she was only 48 of cervical cancer but she oh. was a successful burlesque dancer and genuinely appeared just in in loads of kind of sort of low-budget Barbarella-esque flicks, which I absolutely love, which is so on point with this episode as well. It's very much got that vibe. And apparently, she was enormously popular at conventions. You know, Mm -hmm. three guesses why. (laughs) So she and her management... Two guesses. Two guesses. (laughs) And they both begin with B and end with B and have double O in the middle. Yeah. Um, (laughs) She was so popular at conventions that she basically made a load of money by selling these big kind of massive um, prints of herself from Mm -hmm. this particular episode. One where she's posed standing in all of her costume Mm -hmm. and the other where she's posed identically not wearing anything at all. (laughs) (laughs) Made an absolute fortune at Star Trek convention selling those. Brilliant. What a legend. Power to her. (laughs) I hope she she got all the the money for those as well. I hope it didn't go to some dickhead manager or something like that. Yeah. Um, so good she, she was... really injects a little bit of interest to what is just potentially a dollar's well, dishwater I character a, i saw a really funny like um photo of this so it's the photo where kirk is you've got her in your arm he's pointing to the stars and he's giving that speech about the, the you know earth and stuff what are but what someone... is the earth what is well the someone star? someone's what captioned it clocks? being <laughs> <laughs> what is this thing that Sorry, carry on. Yeah. Someone, someone's captioned it with um, many millions of miles away, there is a planet on which a 21st century pop star will dress a lot like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my fucking god, because I'm sorry, but Lady Gaga in Chromatica identical. Identical <laughs> yes. to Starna in Gamester yeah. of Triskelion. I think she probably took direct ins- inspiration, to be honest. I think that's probably yeah. true, actually. I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, I reckon that I reckon there's probably loads of, like, Star Trek uh, sort of influence that goes into the costumes that Lady Gaga wears and people like her. I would honestly, in stupid love, I think Lady Gaga looks, yeah. Well, to be honest, actually, you know what? No, just everything Lady Gaga's ever worn. I take it back. Just every Lady (laughs) Gaga costume ever. Because everything does owe so much to that amazing campy 60s feel. Yeah, definitely. Like Because her costume, her whole outfit is actually really unattractive on the face of it right mm-hmm. she's her hair is back combed within an inch of its life yeah and it's dyed this sort of pale green but so pale that it just looks like they've washed it out the wrong color and then she's got sort of weird pale green eyeshadow and then the fabric that makes her sexy silver bikini is really quite rumpled and i don't think it really Mm. Flat. I don't know. I'm not a fan of the kind of rumpled satin look, especially when it comes to underwear and things. I don't know. It's just, like it. It. It actually looks very silly. But yes. then she is also unarguably extremely hot. I don't know how that works, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just kind of the whole vibe of Star Trek. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it sort of looks like she's dressed kind of like 
I don't know, kind of s- like space Borat. And <laughs> like with this kind of. That is like, so true. It's a <laughs> mankini. It's like She's a mankini. She's dressed like space Borat with green hair. Yeah. And, but then somehow it is still incredibly arousing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I mean, she does a, a good job in, in the episode, despite the fact she's working with what I would describe as. Nothing. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, she's working with a script that doesn't give her a lot to play with um, and playing a character that is sort of quite two dimensional. But. I mean, I wouldn't even describe it as two-dimensional. One-dimensional. It's just a sounding board for Kirk to mouth off about, you know, the importance of love and the importance of freedom and the importance of democracy. Oh, Captain Kirk, what is this thing? I am an innocent, sexy, nubile space woman that is so innocent and doesn't know anything. You must teach me the ways of your penis, Captain Kirk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you you think about the plot as well, I I can't really think that anything she does is integral to anything that happens. Shut up! No, uh, no, <laughs> she's really important. How dare you? Well, if how? he hadn't like pretended to kill her at the end, then none of the thralls would have been saved. You know, I my head cannon is you know. So obviously, she must be a really competent fighter, at least within the confines of these mm-hmm. thralls who are all shit at their jobs because <laughs> Star Trek TOS and no one can fight, right? Because she's armed with a spear and she's in charge of training practice and all of this sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. So when Dracula. Sends her in at the end to replace whichever loser, the Andorian, that's been defeated by Kirk. Yeah. She's presumably sent in because she's a really good fighter. So I reckon she lost to him on purpose. That's my headcanon. Okay. Either that or Dracula and Angelique Pettyjohn were in it together and were like, you know what? I'm kind of bored of this gig where we all wear BDSM harnesses and zap <laughs> each other. Maybe we should all try this democracy thing. So, you know. He was like, yeah, you go on and let him kill you. <laughs> yeah. Make you surrender. Maybe I my headcanon is that they had watched a mock time before this. Oh god, the mock time vibes are so strong. Yeah. But and well, the, this is essentially the, the same plot, the, right? <laughs> the same thing. Are they oh, the yeah. spears are the are the the Are they actually are they actually the they're, same they're, they're, yeah, they modified that prop. Incredible. That's amazing and makes me so happy. Especially considering the props that they used in a mock time kept breaking all the yeah, time. Yeah, the lurper. They're called lurpers. lurpers. I don't know what yeah, they're called yeah. in, in this episode, but you're right. They were they just were like, Oh, these Vulcans are a bit were a bit bored. Did, wait, does this mean that canonically there were Vulcans somewhere on Triskelly and we just didn't see them? Do you think that could be a well, thing? they had Andorians and yeah. stuff, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, I would think there must be, yeah. They had So Andorians. it can't be the first time they've they've kidnapped a Federation. Person. They had Andre the Giant. <laughs> they had roller disco first, space Karen. First humans, it seems like, because mm-hmm. they're always like so intrigued by Kirk's amazing being, being a dude. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <sighs> like they've got fucking Dracula, but they're like, oh, you're very interesting, Kirk. <laughs> I mean, if I was a bored space alien and I suddenly beamed up Kirk, Uhura, and Chekhov, I'd be like. Chekhov can fuck off, but I'm really interested in these two. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you like, uh, before we move on to the, the final questions that we've got to answer, would you like another fun fact that I think is generally a good fact to know about Star Trek as, as a whole for, for this podcast? Absolutely. Sure. Cool. So, obviously, in the common parlance, uh, outside of fans of the show, one of the most sort of famous... Um, kind of quotes that people use of uh, from Star Trek is the phrase "beam me up, Scotty," right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that is never actually said. That phrase is never said in the show. But Gasp. yeah, a lot of people say that this is where that comes from because the the closest that anyone's found to that quote is in this episode where uh, at the, towards the end, um, Kirk says the phrase. Uh, Scotty, beam us up. And that's as close as anyone gets to beam me up, Scotty, in the entire show. So lots of people have suggested that it was a misremembering of the quote from this episode that started the whole idea of beam me up, Scotty, being a a thing. So Mm. Yeah, that's like... um, 
here's looking at you, kid, from Casablanca that yes. is never actually said in Casablanca at all. So, yeah, it's I that's really interesting. I hadn't realised it wasn't ever said at all. Yeah, well, um, I mean, don't hold me to that, but that's that's according to Memory Alpha, so I, I, I trust them. Well, that, they're our gods, you know. Yeah. They, they can't ever be wrong. Yeah, they're, they're essentially our... Providers, they're, yes, they're, they they're the providers. They are little mushrooms <laughs> who brains in a in it. Not it's not boggle. It's Ludo. You know when you have yes, Ludo, yes, you have the thing yes. where you smack it and it makes the dice bounce. That's yes, what you're they're right. inside yeah. of. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Well, th- w- before we move on to the final questions, then I had one last fun fact, which is that one of the um, one one of those uh, Ludo brains. Uh, <laughs> is voiced by a guy called Robert C. Johnson, who yeah. at, the, at the time was one of the most famous voices in America, apparently. No! Um, what? Beca- because he is the guy who, in the original Mission Impossible TV series, he's the guy who who comes over the, the, the like, you know, when they get their, their orders and it says this this mission will self-destruct in 10 seconds or whatever. He, yeah. he was the guy who did the voiceovers for, for the mission, wow. so he's the one who gave the... the, the the impossible mission mission squad or whatever they're called their missions in every episode so he was like the most famous voice on tv at the time uh, like most famous disembodied voice so that's why they got him okay, in for this i'm really embarrassed because i didn't know that mission impossible interesting i didn't know that mission impossible was a tv series before a what <laughs> <laughs> oh yes ignorance ignorance yeah it was what? not old old tv series that was not very good um, hey, you know what else is amazing about this episode, right? I think that this episode has some of the most pure and cl- unfiltered, distilled, excellent Spock Bones sass and banter yes. that you see in the whole of TOS. Because, and I know Nathan, you were ragging on at those scenes with him, Scotty. And, oh, they're quite good. And, but they, they are filler. You're right. There's... You're right. They're filler. They're stupid. It's them arguing about an ion trail, whether they should follow the <laughs> ion trail. They're going down the ion trail. Should they go at warp seven or warp nine down the ion trail? Should they turn around and go somewhere else before they go down the ion trail? But the the sass that Spock gives to Scotty and Bones throughout all of those scenes was just I hysterical. I love the I love the um like th- they just vanished uh, Mr Spock I assume in a manner inconsistent with the operation of a transporter Scotty are you telling me what happened is they beamed somewhere is that what happened <laughs> <laughs> idiot <laughs> Scotsman. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely rags on Spot- Scotty all through it's so funny no. Scotty just gets treated like so shit uh, we do have some amazing lines from Bones where he's like are you out of your Vulcan mind or you you stubborn pointy-eared but yeah there's an amazing moment that made me really really happy um where <laughs> where um where Spock says that they need to continue we will continue searching for them with hope and Bones is like hope it's a very human emotion, isn't it, Spock? And Spock's like, it is. Well, but after a certain number of years of exposure, one must expect a little bit of contamination. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Oh! Live long and prosper! Yeah, I mean, I do want to say, like, I did rag on them in the in the thing, because it is just padding. But I think you've got to bear in mind that, like, scenes like that are, like... In my summary, I'm only ever focused on trying to get the the key points of the plot, and it adds nothing to the plot. It does, however, add a lot to the episode, yes. because it's amazing. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely right. Um, and it yeah, seems yeah. like those that really is why I think TOS is so beloved, and, mm. and why those characters yeah. are still so beloved, because yeah. it's just glorious to watch. And TOS has some, like... I don't know if it's just early TV or if it's early Star Trek or just what it is, but there's just some stuff where I'm like, like, there's just, I'm not surprised you've run over budget all the time, <laughs> but I have problem because like, you know, they do this expensive cut where it's like, as you are fighting for your, um, like, you know, nothing happens for a while while the providers go, as you're fighting for your whole crew, they will be permitted to watch on the view screen. Yes. And then it cuts to, it cuts to the bridge. And I think it's, um, Scotty goes, look. <laughs> and you see the, the thing. It was like, was that necessary? <laughs> like, we, what, what did that add? Other than meaning you have to film an extra bit of thing, which presumably costs an extra bit, little bit of money. It's so <laughs> funny though. Like, I just love that the gamesters 
just broadcast Captain Kirk fighting to the death, but like from above, just into the ship, just so everyone can watch it. Like they're watch, they're just watching telly. Yeah, they're like just they're, like they're their Sky captain. Sports. Yeah, literally, it's like Sky Sports, but it's you know Turkish <laughs> oil bet wrestling. You, oh, red shirts, head cannon. There's Spock and McCoy as sassy sports commentators. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that's Excellent. how they. That's how they. How they like added some levity and kept the crew morale <laughs> yeah. during this quite tense moment. It was like, oh, Mister Spock, uh, he'll be disappointed with that. Yes, well, it would. It, it, it is looking rather unfortunate, but uh, oh, there we go, there we go. The spear's right in him. There. <laughs> the 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 young Kirk, really, really unexpected, an excellent throw <laughs> from the green section just there. And then Spock would be like. One could call it a competent throw if you had extremely low standards, like my <laughs> human friend here. <laughs> yeah, or, or Spock will be the stats person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Broadcast. Anyways, I was like, I so that was a, 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 yeah, I Spock's the Andy Zaltzman. of that going into the goal yeah. at 20,000 to one. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's that sort of stereotype of American sports commentators who use the phrase, oh, doctor. And I think that's come from this. That's <laughs> just talking about bones. <laughs> We we also Head get Cannon accepted. Yeah, we we also get one of my favourite um, uh, Spockisms in this episode as well, which is where he says, "Doctor, I am chasing Captain Kirk, Lieutenant Uhura, and Ensign Chekhov, not some wild aquatic fowl." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yes. Or like when oh. Spock is like. Um... I'm in command of this ship. This is what we're going to do, unless you're suggesting a mutiny. Like that's a perfectly like just because he's so unemotional. Like, oh well, obviously if you're un- if you're if you're very unhappy with me, you'll you'll mutiny. And they're like, no, what the fuck? No, we still trust you. We're just voicing a bit of dis. Jesus, I love Spock. it. I love that every time Spock is in command and Jim's in danger, he goes absolutely batshit demented. He's like one track mind. I am following this ion trail, and if anyone says a word against me, they're going to get ejected out of the airlock. Like he loses all rationality and becomes so pig-headed. It's just, it's so fantastic. It really, and yeah, I love it. This episode just made me just so warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> so Look, warm and fuzzy. We're going to have to wrap up, but we've got to ask the last final questions. So um, I think we've answered one of them already. So we'll start with that one, um, which is uh, the Klim question. Klim is a space Karen. So which character in this episode is most likely to ask to speak to the manager? I think we're going to go with uh, Chekhov's... Uh, to Moon. Yeah. I, she visually, she looks identical to a Karen. How, like a roller disco orange yeah. Karen. Yeah. But... In terms of personality, I think that one of the the souffle brain Ludo mushrooms would yes. be more likely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. To speak to the manager, especially no, the, the one the, whose the... voice was like this. Yeah, there was one who sounded like Gilbert Gottfried, which was really strange. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, we've got, we've obviously got right now. I've got two contenders for the next one, right? Which is mm-hmm. the Fez question: Who who is most likely to wear a Fez? Now, my two contenders for this are. Galt Dracula man because yes. he's bald and I think he needs something to set off yeah. that big collar. He um, does. <laughs> His big red collar. Yeah. It would even he... match aesthetically black cloak, exactly. red collar, red fez with a little black trim. Exactly. He'd look like a cool magician. Um but then Blah blah blah. But then the other my other option is just all three of the uh, <laughs> providers just wear a, just a little fez on all of the little brains. <laughs> We are a superior species. <laughs> I just, I just love the idea of a little disembodied brain that, wearing a hat. That alone may have sold me on the fence. Yes, <laughs> I knew we'd get him eventually. No, that's just yes. such a good image. I love it. I love it. Excellent. Well, and then finally, the most important question is: Who in this episode is most likely to have tried to suck their own cock? Galt. Yeah, it's absolutely Galt, isn't it? Yeah. What about Klug? Don't you think he would have tried? Oh, actually, poor yeah, he Klug. probably... R.I.P. Klug. R.I.P. Klug. Oh, poor Klug. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think Galt seems like the most yeah. likely to have tried. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, he's not getting paired off with any of the other thralls. True. Yeah, that's, like, that's true. true. Yeah. He doesn't like... get a mate. Oh, that's so sad, poor Galt. Oh, a quick fact that I forgot to bring up is that his actor tried to walk in... Like, once he saw his costume, tried to walk in a very specific way so that it'd hide... The movement so it might look like he more floats and flows and you're not exactly sure oh, that's quite cool underneath there 
Like, you know, he, he said, you know, there wasn't really time to make it an actual element of the character, so he just tried his best and hoped it would it would come across. But I thought it was an interesting choice. <laughs> and then they know. decided that every time he appeared, he'd just appear out of nowhere. Yeah. So yeah, no yeah. one ever saw him <laughs> moving <laughs> anyway, and his efforts were wasted. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, I love Mr. Spock so much, you guys. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's uh, I'm like I love him so much. I want him to marry me. Oh well, we'll have to get through. Uh, I was going to say we have to get through Nathan's wedding first. I don't mean get through as if it's like <laughs> some big drag that we're all like, can't be asked with. But <laughs> but no, I can't decide what the Star Trek thing at my wedding should be. I think you should. <gasps> I think Anna, you... Anna does not yet know there is a Star Trek. Thing yeah. wedding. <laughs> Nathan, can I make, after she can finds I make... the bear, you can make her wear a fez. <laughs> I was going to say, can then... you can you wear a fez when you get married? And then... <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um... Well, it's either it's either wear a fez or try to suck your own cock. So. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I feel like that's where we're going to end this one. It's uh, it's been lovely. I've re- I really enjoyed this episode. It's been really fun. Um, that's because TOS is the fucking shit, you guys. Yeah. It's where it's at. Do we know what we're looking at next week yet, or will it be a fun surprise for the listeners? I don't think we know. I'm, I'm happy to stick with some more TOS for a little. Yeah. Bit. Well. Okay. Oh yes, please. Well, yes, I, please, my, please. My vote please. is for the Gorn episode, but uh, we'll. Uh, <gasps> Why don't we? Hey, why don't we do what we did with the? I mean, we might not get it in time, so we might end up doing the Gorn episode anyway. But why don't we do what we did with um, DS Nine and throw it to the listeners? Yeah, like, okay. Not yeah. that I think any of us dislike TOS. Like, no. the idea was obviously to convert you, but I think you know. Yes. What what episodes? I I think Everyone's we may favorite. have covered quite a few of them. Yeah. But like, what episode should we? Okay, have? then, listeners, if you can yes. get in touch because with us, because if we don't get any. Because if we don't get any suggestions, I'm going to make them watch this side of Paradise so that I can watch Mrs. Spock make out with people. <laughs> well, there you go. If you want to save us from that, uh, listeners, <laughs> get in touch with us on uh, the on the social media, as always, at RedShirtsCast, or send us an email to RedShirtsCast at gmail.com uh, and let us know which TOS episodes you think we should watch next. We've done a few of them. Look through the back catalogue. You'll see which ones we've done. Um, but anything that you would like to see us talk about, you can get in touch and let us know. Um, otherwise, we'll be looking at... The one that Maddie wants to look at, or if I get all <laughs> the Gorn episode, or the Gorn episode, if I get my way, because I think it's fucking brilliant. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but with that said, thank you to my co-hosts Maddie and Nathan. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, goodbye, long live and prosper. Goodbye, live long and prosper. What the <laughs> fuck is going on with my brain? I'm going to say that again. <laughs> thank, thank you. To, thank prosper you. long and live. <laughs> live prosper and long. I'm going to do it again, right? Jolon through. <laughs> okay. Thank you to my co-hosts, Nathan and Maddie. I've been Jake Donaldson. Long live... No, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>